Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. Why it matters on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's the Breakfast Huddle. Elliot Dank and Barty Jagdish with you. It's time now for Why It Matters. So, you know, when you, when you, when you buy something, when you purchase an item, do you think about the brand's ethical stand? Does, does that come to mind? Well, for me, it does. But I have to say that it only really happens once there has been a negative blitz of publicity on the brand. Okay. So usually we just go with brands we've used for a long time or we look at the price point. But once there is some negative publicity associated with it, you start to pay greater attention to those aspects. A lot of consumers feel that way. They're becoming more aware of the sustainability and ethical issues associated with products and brands with which they interact on a daily basis. In fact, the recent COP20 Summit also highlighted the magnitude of the environmental crisis and people are now looking to businesses and leaders to make meaningful changes. Naturally, this has resulted in Southeast Asian brands also being more concerned with communicating their policies. They also now have a better understanding of what good really looks like. Areas such as ESG are now front and centre Obviously, brand reputation is at stake. So how can brands measure their ESG performance in real time against competitors, stakeholders and other investments in order to meet business and sustainability objectives? Let's find out more from Kali Sakas, who is head of Insight at Karma Asia. Kali, good morning. How are you? Good morning, everyone. I'm well. How are you? Very good. Thank you so much for helping us out with this. I suppose uh, let's start off uh, with the forefront of discussions in the PR and communications world for the year 2021. What are the top three topics? 2021 in ESG, we saw reputation, your company's overall reputation being a very, very key concern. We saw ESG matters front and centre for most corporate affairs and PR teams. And we also saw the fallout and the response to the great resignation or the great reset occurring within many organisations. So these were the three things that really dominated uh, PR and communications and are still having a lasting impact going into 2022. ESG seems to be on everybody's lips these days, right? How does it rank among the top three? I had a look in our media intelligence database for the last six months of coverage of ESG-related issues, and the volume of media attention was staggering. We've had over 80,000 media stories on ESG in the last six months. Southeast Asia averages 528 articles per day. So our interest is absolutely piqued by, by ESG issues. It's incredibly important for communications teams and uh, chief reputation officers who are actually charged with the company's whole reputation overall and how they respond to ESG issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, for sure, this is going to continue to be highly discussed, especially this year. Kali, I'm curious though, would you consider the awareness on ESG a little bit later? Uh, are we late to the bandwagon? Because this has been something that's going on in Europe for quite some time already. What are your thoughts? It's really interesting and I find that this is probably one of the most fascinating aspects that we are not all focusing on the E, the S and the G at the same time. Mm -hmm. So when you look at Southeast Asia, we are very much focused on the E and within that sustainability media coverage is about 48% of all of media coverage that we're looking at. When we look at the US, 
we're very much looking at the S. We're looking at social impact and employee well-being. And you can see classic cases where uh, we've got big companies, McDonald's and Apple, Starbucks, that are looking at unionisation of their workforce and are looking at civil rights and racial discrimination issues rather than sustainability issues. So I wouldn't say that anyone is late or early to the table. I think that, that we're all addressing the most critical point of ESG in our local market. Okay. So can you explain that disparity in terms of focus even further? I mean, why is the focus so different in the US versus in parts of Southeast Asia, where there still could be civil rights issues at play too? So how are companies shaping that narrative? How is the media helping them do it? as well. Yes, I think I think that there's been the political climate and the social climate trusting government is incredibly different in, in these regions and that's where we're getting different movements and I guess a different resonance in these different movements. So what, what consumers and employers care about is different in these markets. And companies actually are responding accordingly. They're being driven more by customer needs and more by employee concerns. I think for the US, it's largely being driven by employees. Mm-hmm. Kali, I got a, a, a very interesting question because I think this is a perfect position for an undergraduate to be in, someone who's studying PR or marketing. What would you say to them, you know, uh, in terms of when they graduate and they come out into the world to work, how all of this is going to shake up the way PR and marketing is going to be done? It is fascinating. And I probably wish I could go back and (laughs) be doing that undergraduate research right now because it is so fascinating. And I think to any uh, uh, graduates coming out right now, I think their key word for the next few years will be roadmap. If you look at 2021, it is the year of the promise. PR and communications teams within corporations made pledges and promises for net zero emissions and other sustainability initiatives. 2022 and beyond will be the years of updating progress. So you'll have to actually communicate progress or lack of progress to your company's roadmap. You'll have to understand the landscape incredibly well to be able to navigate the risks of when you haven't made the progress that you had hoped to. There's going to be a real talent required to communicate the difference between your aspiration and your impact. The thing is, I know of a lot of PR and comms people who grapple with this, yeah, with being clear and succinct and honest about ESG efforts. We all know how pervasive greenwashing can be. There is great potential for it to get even worse. So how would you advise these individuals to manage all of this? I mean, real journalists are going to ask tough questions. They don't do it to show off. They don't do it for fun. They do it as a duty to their audiences. Audiences need to know the truth, uh, the fuller picture, all sides of the story. So what's your advice to the professionals in the comms and PR field in that regard? The goal here is balance and, uh, as you said, being authentic in that communication. It will be predictable, though, for PR and communications teams. It will fall into a pattern where a company announces that they are going to do an audit of their ESG uh, activities or their company culture. That audit then gets published, and I think that's going to be the first challenge for, for communicators the negative stories that that may actually attract. It will be less than flattering for most organisations when they dig dig a little. And I think that if you have buy-in from stakeholders, if you have board and executive buy-in at that level, then you can hold steadfast and actually progress through 
some some dark days might be coming. And we're seeing that for a few companies, particularly in the mining sector at this point, where issues of company culture are coming coming to the forefront of media attention. They're also getting credit for being honest and being and, tra- and transparent about releasing that news as well. So I think transparency and being authentic are still paramount, but it is going to take a lot of strategic planning. How does media intelligence come into play here? Does it aid the company and how can it? It does. I think it, it does a number of things in this space. What I like using it for is to show you what good looks like. And obviously, media intelligence, intelligence will give you all of the media coverage around greenwashing or ESG or whatever you want would like to track. But it can also show you how great companies are communicating well and give you those case studies that you can learn from and feed into your strategic communications and your strategic decisions. Could you give us an example now, a case study perhaps? I can, I can, I, but I, I, I probably don't want to put anyone uh, under the, the spotlight for greenwashing and, mm. and speak negatively about it. I think there's a lot of challenges coming out. I, I Without mentioning where... names and giving out too many <laughs> clues, perhaps you can, yeah? <laughs> and you will. <laughs> I think I, absolutely. I think that yeah. the big tech companies are really interesting in this space and they're confronting a lot of issues around employee well-being. Uh, we've just uh, late last year released a report on big tech companies and how they are perceived in Southeast Asia. And I think that drew a lot of interesting things out about how you communicate negative issues about employee culture and how important company culture is. So that report highlighted that company culture issues often occurring on internal platforms. So internal emails, internal chat forums can actually be a very negative source of news for for organisations. And that's something to watch. It's something that you need a strategy for. And it's something that big tech has gone out and said, we're we're employees of choice. This is where you want to be. And have made huge inroads at attracting and retaining talent. But when your employees are unhappy and actually call you out for not walking the walk, it actually can result in incredibly critical coverage. Hmm. Uh, Carly, here's the trendy term of the century or decade, uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, I I feel duty-bound to ask this question. Can it help in any way? (laughs) It helps us every day. And it helps myself and my team deliver news faster to our clients because the the quicker that we can get it, to our clients to tell them that they have been mentioned in the media or that there is a relevant conversation happening in in a particular market. Speed is everything when you are planning a response or planning to planning uh, your crisis management around a breaking issue. So AI helps us deliver uh, information quickly to our clients. I'm obviously uh, head of insight. So for me, it's absolutely critical to my job because I can get through a million rows of data very, very quickly. 10 years ago, that would take me a few weeks. So it helps us really deliver things quickly and accurately to our clients. After you get the intelligence, though, you've got to process it and then you've got to make strategic decisions around it, right? What are the most common mistakes brands make in terms of reading the data, interpreting it, and then formulating action around it? It's really interesting. The most common theme I've found when when we present media analysis and media landscape reports to our clients is that there will be myths internally that an issue is more negative than it actually is. 
So I think for clients, when we walk in and say, all right, this is, this is where your brand is, this is the health of your brand, this is, these are the risks and opportunities that lie ahead for you, they're often surprised at how they are actually, their media coverage isn't as negative as they thought it was, and that there are significant opportunities to actually build trust with their audiences and connect with, with target media. Hmm. Uh, we're on the line with Kylie Suckers, who's head of Insight at Karma Asia. And in case you're wondering, Karma Asia is a leading AI-powered media intelligence solution. Um, Kali, I apologize if the answer to this question kind of overlaps everything that we're talking about, but very Singaporean-style question. What is the best way to present the success of your ESG effort strategy? Because there's always this need to measure success. What would your advice be? Measurement is going to, the roadmaps and measurement are going to become very, very popular words with ESG because we've made the promises and now we have to manage and measure progress to roadmaps. I'm always like a simple infographic. I always like being authentic and very clear with with targets. So really presenting clear targets, smart goals, and, and being very, very transparent around success and progress towards those goals. I'd like to see some companies failing and telling us why they've failed and, and really delving into the oh. challenges that they're having. I would love to see some, some fail fast case studies coming out because I think that we would all learn from that. Mm. And I think we're really on a very challenging journey. We're changing our operations. We're changing our mindsets. We're changing the way whole companies operate. And that's not easy. Uh, there'll be continual criticism that we're not going fast enough or we're not going further enough. Right. The humility helps. Let's talk about, based on the data you have today, what you foresee as the challenges that companies should be preparing for now. I mean, we've all talked about being able to predict the future, right? Or at least being able to anticipate challenges so that you can prep for them. What are some of those in your view? Within the ESG market, I think that there are two key moments that I would plan for in any organization. One is the release of your first audit. And I noticed that the the Singapore GP are committed to doing an audit of of their green practices to design the green initiatives for the next seven years. Things like LED lighting, electric vehicles as support vehicles, all those types of things. It will be a pivotal moment when companies release their first audit and they may not have done that before. The other thing is that there are so many people involved in the C-suite and the stakeholders that will be potentially reacting to that audit in the media. So a very, very big strategic planning exercise. And I think it it requires a lot of courage to actually do that and keep to that transparent promise. The second part is, as we've just been discussing, when people fall short of their commitments or it hasn't gone fast enough. They've reached the goal, but they haven't reached the goal on time. They're behind for their 2030 strategy or the 2050 strategy. And I think having some messaging around that is absolutely critical. I think having a united leadership team to actually support uh, support the communications effort and support the initiatives when the going gets tough is going to be absolutely critical. We've been speaking with Kali Sanka, who's head of Insight at Karma Asia. Kali, we really appreciate your insight this morning. You take care and stay safe, yeah? Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. 
Available on Google Play or the App Store.